Thank you. To God be the glory. Worthy is the Lamb. What a wondrous expression of praise. Thankful for that. I can remember as a little boy singing a song. It went something like this. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. You can sing along. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Okay, we'll do it again now with a little gusto. I, I kind of sprung that on you, okay? Sorry, Brandon, that was such great worship, and I'm diminishing it already, aren't I, in a single thing. Listen, let's do it. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Amen. The B-I-B-L-E. Perhaps now more than any other time in my life and in, I guess, my ministry, if I could put it in those terms, I'm sensing the intense and increasing need to commit to a bold an unswerving proclamation and living out of the B-I-B-L-E. The Word of God. And though as a little boy I sang that song with gusto and on request... <laughs> I confess I never really understood its significance and perhaps have not really in its fullest sense until today in these times in which we live. And we've been talking in this series about things that matter most out of 2 Timothy, which is where I want to encourage you to turn in your B-I-B-L-E-S <laughs> or whatever happens to be your tool for looking at the scriptures this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Considering these things of God that truly transcend culture and time and even religion, honestly, this is an extremely focused individual, the Apostle Paul, who's facing now the end of his earthly existence there's certain death that awaits him. And he is now in the process of transferring a measure of truth down to the next rank, which is Timothy. And I can remember when I entered uh, seminary down in Dallas being challenged by a professor that I didn't know at the time, and it was early on. And he said, not just to me personally, but to his class, do not leave this place with at least, without at least five convictions about God and ministry that you'll live and possibly even die for. That was his challenge. Convictions. And it stayed with me. I took it to heart and made sure that I didn't. And I can remember looking on my right hand each finger representing a conviction, and I asked God, give me a conviction. 
that is of you. And there's one that is deep, and perhaps the highest of the five that I have come to be deeply passionate about. I was then and I remain to this day, and it's the deep and abiding conviction about the power and sufficiency of the Word of God, the Scriptures, to sustain and transform the human soul. That the Word of God, not tradition, the Word of God, not preference, the Word of God, not taste or uh, human common sense, the Word of God, not opinion or conjecture, the Word of God, not science, is the ultimate authority for my life and ministry and all of your lives and ministry and expression of eternal things. It is the B-I-B-L-E. Word of God. And we stand alone on the Word of God. This book, as it has been bound and carried down through the generations by the gracious work of the Spirit of God and delivered unto the church, it is the Word of God. And it is the foundation of our living and the foundation of our faith. Yesterday morning, I knelt by the bedside of an individual who, though in great physical peril, has resisted the invitation to receive this grace from Christ. And as I knelt, read the scriptures, and whispered into his ear, I was operating only and solely on this one great conviction. And that is that the Word of God alone is powerful and able to transform the human soul. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God can blaze into the deepest crevices of the human soul and break the hardest chains of spiritual darkness. And I can remember thinking, and even, I believe, maybe praying, I don't know, oh, word, be powerful. Oh, Christ, be mighty to save. This is our conviction. This is Paul's last and final testament to young Timothy. He could have said anything to this young man, and it would have come with the the pounding authority of this great apostolic life. He could have said, Timothy, make close friends. Timothy, build a strong team. Timothy, make certain you have a backup plan and a, a cash reserve. None of that. He said, Timothy, don't forget the foundation of the Scriptures, the Word of God. Don't leave what you've been taught. 
Do not jettison what you, have been re- what you have received by the grace of God through my ministry and my teaching. And this was right after he said to Timothy in, in no uncertain times, uh, in no uncertain words, I should say, that there will be terrible times in the last days. This is not a, a feel-good, happy-go-lucky message. This does not rapture the attention of the world. It does not draw huge crowds. Welcome to church. You're in the middle of terrible times. (laughs) You're in the last days. (laughs) It's just not that fun. But it's in the B-I-B-L-E. That means it's truth. We ought to heed it with every ounce of will and passion given to us by Almighty God. Timothy, these are going to be tough times, and they are. And I want to hand you a few things. Man, this list at the beginning of chapter 3, just look at it. Here's the people you're going to serve. This is what it's going to look like in your ministry, in these last days. This is our context, by the way, where we have been called to serve and to live and to proclaim and teach and preach and deliver and shepherd and counsel and all of these other things. This is the context. Listen, listen. People will love themselves. (laughs) They will love money. They're going to be boastful and proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, if they have any, ungrateful, (laughs) unholy, without love, unforgiving. They're going to hold grudges, Timothy, um, Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, but treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're going to love everything else more than they love God, as long as it brings them pleasure. And this is not just kind of illicit sexual pleasure. This is anything that gives me a sense of pleasure. I'm going to love that a whole lot more than I'm going to love God in these last days. Timothy, that's your post. That's it. That's the work. (laughs) And you're going to serve and minister in a context where there'll be a veneer of godliness, but no power. It'll be like a shell game. People are going to act Christian, talk Christian, smile Christian, pray Christian, give Christian, sing Christian. It's going to look Christian, but it's going to be empty of conviction. Powerless. So, Timothy, I need to hand you some things because you, verse 10, you have a different perspective. You, however, know all about my teaching. And he says, first of all, Timothy, remember the vision. The vision is my way of life. Remember the vision. Paul says, you know my life, my way of life, my purpose, my faith and patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, you see. 
Don't forget what originally inspired you, Timothy, and captured your imagination. My life and my purpose, my spiritual character. Wow! Do you have someone in your life like that, somewhere in your spiritual past, that God used to just set you off to follow after Him? Someone who just inspired you because of the way they lived and they they trusted and they believed and they set themselves apart and they walked by faith rather than by sight. Someone who had a courageous confidence in God and in His Word. And it just, it just raptured your attention. That's what Paul is saying. Don't forget the vision, Timothy, when all of this stuff starts to play out. Remember, someone maybe who believed in you or modeled grace and boldness, humility and character and faith, yet paid a heavy price for that. Look at my life, Timothy. Remember the vision. Timothy, you know who I am and what I believe and how I've lived. He says, listen, you remember my purpose and my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. Listen, teenagers, you've just come off a great week at camp, and we're thankful for that. Now you need to set your sight. Find someone out there who's the genuine item. Set your mark on them. Look, watch the way they live. Watch the way they trust. Watch the way they believe God. The way they are willing to to jettison the pressure and temptations and drawings of culture and live solely for Christ. Put that person in your gaze. Set them out there as a mark and follow hard after them. You need someone like that in your life. You do. And so do I. Keeps the vision alive when people are slanderous and they're brutal and they love everything else more than they love God. And you're, you're, trying, to, you're trying to follow Christ. Set a mark. Forget my life, he said. Man, you, Timothy, you were there. Hey, let's go to Acts 13. This won't hurt us. Acts 13. Since he, he kind of invokes this, this, this period of their mutual history together. Acts 13. This, is, of course, is the ministry of uh, Paul and Barnabas. <clears throat> And they're preaching, of course, they're preaching into this culture that has been just so vividly described by the apostle in his letter to Timothy. Verse 42 of Acts 13, we'll start there, I think that'll be far enough, but I wish we had time to do this whole chapter, it's remarkable. But as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. Um, That just doesn't happen very often. You know, church is out. Hey, you want to come over and keep going? <laughs> no, that, that was happening here. So after, after church, the people came up and said, we, we, we have not gotten enough, so we need more. Come on over. When the congregation was di- dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Love that rhythm. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. This, this was not these times. This was those times. Um, when the Jews saw the crowds, here we go, 
Dun, 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 dun. Here they come. They were filled with what? Jealousy. And they talked abusively against what Paul was saying. That's slander. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. Now look at verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. What a great response. And so the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but... Here they come, the religious lot again. Um, The Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. You see that? They rallied the support against these men. They stirred up persecution. Remember, that was a word from Paul's letter to Timothy. Against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them, and they went on to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wow. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But, but, the Jews who refused to believe. Starting to get the picture. (laughs) The Word of God is powerful. B-I-B-L-E, this is the voice of God. And there are only two responses. Glad and humble submission to it or willful stubborn resistance and Timothy you need to know it's going to look a whole lot more like the latter in the last days so remember the vision Don't forget my life. Don't forget the faith, the persecutions, the sufferings, and what kinds of things happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. Now, watch this. Second, Paul says, Timothy, expect the flames. Verse 12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you get that? Did you hear that, teenagers? College students? Everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will feel the heat of persecution. It will cost. Now, Paul did not say everyone who desires to live a Christian life. It's not the word he used. 
Um, all who desire to go to church. He was much more specific when he said, everyone who desires to live a godly life, a life that is set apart, the bold witness of a life will suffer the flames of persecution. This is not just Christianity. This is radical obedience. You can be a Christian in the United States of America and sail to heaven having never paid a price for your faith. You can. But you cannot live a godly life and experience the same. How do I know that? It's in the B-I-B-L-E. It comes from God. <laughs> this is a contrast, by the way, to the early Christians Paul warned about, you see, who, who maintained a form of godliness, but who were powerless in their living and in their ultimate effectiveness. They were cultural, convenient Christians who faced, faith cost them little or nothing, you see. This is a different level. This is those who desire to live a godly life, who run against the grain of culture in their following after Christ. Now, hear the witness of the gospel writers. Um, you don't have to turn here, but if you want to mark them down, you may. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I'll try and go here quickly. These are the words of Jesus as he's talking to his disciples. And he says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men because they will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it when you're arrested for your faith. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Listen, brother will betray brother to death, and a father his own child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, then flee to another. For I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. That's living a godly life. That, that's not just going to church. There's a price. Luke 21 If anything, in the Word of God, there's such a profound consistency. Luke 21. Seventeen. Before all this, you see, verse 12, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. And they will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors. And all on account of my name... 
This will be a result of your being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Isn't that great? Wow, what a miracle. You will be betrayed even by your parents. Has your faith put you at odds with your parents? Or your relatives? Or your brothers or your friends? Has your faith cost you relationships with your friends? Not your Christianity, but your commitment to live a godly life. Say no to things that are unholy. Not participating in silly, vulgar jesting because you follow Christ. Has that cost you a friend or two in your relationship? Has it set you apart? All men will hate you because of me. (laughs) Not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. It's not the most pleasant prospect, is it, to be hated and reviled by the world, let alone your own family? To go to a level of commitment to following Christ, that it would actually put you at odds with the people closest to you, because they are not quite at the level of following after Christ in in godliness and commitment? That's what's in view. The encouragement in all of this is to continue, not only for Timothy, for for all of us who choose to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, to stand on the Word of God, is to stay with what you've learned and become convinced of, these convictions, what you've received at camp, those commitments to devotion. Don't leave them so quickly. Don't shrink back from what God has taught you or given you whether it be from your parents or for others he has brought into your life to challenge you. Timothy, expect the flames. Expect the flames. Last Sunday night we had Pastor Eddie Wang here and his wife. Gracious, godly couple who serve Christ in China. (laughs) Spent the first 24 years of his ministry in prison, a labor camp. Repeatedly tried to get him to denounce his faith. First they poured hot oil over his head, covered his body. Then they hung him from his feet. flogged him with rods. That's just within the first few few years of his ministry. This went on for almost two and a half decades. 
Now he trains pastors. Most of them who minister and serve in secret for fear of government persecution. 32 of them right now who have gone through his training are in Chinese prisons for their faith. Wow. I'll tell you, I've, I've never... I've never spent a day in jail for doing what God has called me to do. Not a second. I sat in a squad car for throwing eggs at some guy's Mazda. That was meant to be a joke. But I've never gone 10 years without seeing my wife because of this conviction about the power of the Word of God. Timothy. People, God's called you to serve. They're going to they're gonna love everything else except God. They are. They just, they just need to know that up front. And you're going you're gonna to get hit because you proclaim Christ. It's going to cost you. So you need to expect the flames if you're going to live at this level. Finally, he says, Timothy, surrender to the word. Timothy, whatever, whatever matters, whatever takes place, no matter what the circumstance, make your life, make your witness a testament to the power, reliability, and glorious truth and grace of the word of God. Because it's powerful. Look back at 2 Timothy, chapter 3. He says, verse 14, As for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able, listen, to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Timothy, finally, ultimately, come what way, live your life in full surrender to the Word of God. Are the Holy Scriptures your life? My life? Your guide and sustenance for living? This book, do you live it, breathe it, embrace it, eat it, digest it, obey it, follow it? Do you know it? 
All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. It is the voice and word of God. It is living. It is active. It is God speaking to you and to the world. It's, a, it's about a foundation of scriptures, of the scriptures that changes and transforms everything about you. Not books about the word, but the word. The word of God. Fully, wholly inspired. This means God breathed out truth and it became scripture. Every word, every jot, every tittle, every mark that comes to us that is here, now translated into this English language, is the word of God. It is fully inspired, wholly and completely totally without error. It comes from God. It is His Word. The question is, is it your life? Does it receive the honor and merit that it is due in the way you submit and respond and surrender to it? That's the question. That is the prospect that is before Timothy. This is a useful book. It's powerful. It's effective for your life. It will teach you. It will teach me. It will rebuke you. It will rebuke me just when we think we are right and holy, complete. The Word of God penetrates us and rebukes us. Tells us we're wrong. Shows us we're not humble. We're prideful. The Word does that, you see. If we're in it, if we're in submission to it, tells us we're not holy. We're sinful. Tells us we're not faithful, we're unfaithful. The word does that, it rebukes us. You see, it corrects us. That, that, that's a word, it, it, it's a nautical term. It's, it's a slight adjustment to get you back on course. Training in righteousness. Oh, don't we need that? We need to be trained in righteousness. We need to know how to be right with God. How to love him and serve him and follow after him. We need to know how to love our wives like Christ loved the church. That's righteous. That's good. You see, that comes from the word of God. This book is the breath and words of God. The eternal, all-wise, all-knowing creator of the universe has chosen in his magnificent grace and goodness to speak to you and to speak to me, to the world and to the church, and he has done it in his word. He breathed. He gave us his word. What's the ultimate goal? He tells us that you may be equipped to do the works of God. Equipped, ready, not just to be a consumer, but an effective agent on behalf of God's program in the world. You need to be equipped for that. I want to tell you something this morning that hopefully will inspire you. I hope it will not diminish your respect for God. But you need to know that you are His plan to reach the world. 
You. Look around. Look at those who are sitting next to you. Just think of the people next to you, the people in your family, the people that rode in the same minivan with you. You're the plan to reach the world. You're God's plan. You need to be equipped. You are God's plan to reach the public schools. You, your kiddos. <laughs> it's God's plan. We need to be equipped. You're God's plan to reach a distant, unreached people group with a new and compelling translation of the scriptures. I believe, I believe with all my heart that there's probably a teenager sitting right here among us today that is going to launch from the comfort and care of this culture of ours and is going to go to a distant place and be used of God to translate the scriptures into an unknown tongue. I believe it. They're going to jettison all the pressures of, of achieving and, and, and getting a great career and, and, and landing some fantastic job or scholarship and they're going to say no to all that and they're going to follow Christ and they're going to deliver the word of God into a new language. I believe it. Because it's God's plan. He, he needs you. Ian, it's his plan. He needs you. He needs you to be so willing to follow after Christ that you'll say, you know what? I could do all those other things. And I really want to. But I'm not going to. Because Christ needs me there. believe that with every fiber of my soul. He needs you to touch and encourage a broken spouse of an abusive mate. You're his plan. He needs you to lead a wayward friend to a knowledge of God. He needs you. You're his plan to die for the gospel in an Arab country. I mean, don't we have enough CPAs and attorneys and doctors? And I mean, don't we have enough? We need, we need, we need teenage girls and teenage guys and college students who are willing to say, I'll go. I don't even think I really want to go or leave, but I'll go. Because Christ has called me to go. That's what we need. who will use the genius of their minds, the talent of their bodies, the passions of their dreams and their hearts, not to serve this declining 
self-serving culture, but to spend it for Christ. But you need to know at the gate, they're going to hate you if you do it. You're not going to get a trophy. You're not going to get a medal. You're not going to get a scholarship. But you will get a reward. It's just deferred. Is this your commitment? What are you committed more to today than Christ and His Word and His church? What am I? What's drawing your mind away even at this moment as we share together? What has your ultimate occupation and focus more than Christ and His eternal Word? Remember the vision. The genuine item of a life lived in sacrifice and obedience. And if you choose to accept that call, you need to expect the flames because they're coming. It's going to cost you. And then live a life holy and completely total surrender not to me not to your parents vision for you not for the draw of culture but live live a life in total and commit commit surrender to the B-I-B-L-E the word of God Apostle Peter, who died upside down on a broken tree because of his faith, said this. <laughs> Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you. We got any takers for that? Let's pray. Gracious God, how profoundly grateful are we are for your word that it is so perfectly true powerful. Let us not leave here fully convinced, fully unconvinced of its power, but rather in full surrender and obedience to whatever it is you have for us. For some, that means a first time 
surrender of their will to you in faith. By your gracious spirit, Lord, draw that person to yourself. Break down those barriers of will and distraction and cause them to come in full surrender to you. For others, Lord, perhaps it's one who's struggling to be faithful in obedience to what has clearly been asked of them, but yet there's so many things drawing against them. Their allegiances are so spread. Father, set them free to follow hard after you. I pray for a generation of teenagers and young people who are willing to not just be Christians, but to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. May that work begin today in his powerful name. Let's stand and sing. This altar is open for you and your family if you want to come.
well tonight. Um, everything's in place. Got a little glitch in the bulletin that was kind of a week in advance. So tonight, everything's in place. A service at 6.30, middle school, high school, elementary youth groups, nursery. We won't have the cookout, but we're going to have ice cream afterwards. So that's kind of nice, isn't it? So come for some ice cream Sundays, but everything will be uh, ready and prepared for you tonight um, if you want to bring your family for another time of ministry and celebration and fellowship. Last Sunday we had a great celebration of God's faithfulness and outpouring of His Spirit, um, the lives of many of our teenagers that came to Christ and followed after Him in commitment. So we had a baptism. It was wonderful. We took an offering. We have a just a, a desire to provide a, a, a choice space for high school ministry and upgrade the annex. And um, close to $8,000 was...